What's up everyone and welcome to episode 90 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where I, Tim Burbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Um, straight off the bat, apologise for a bit of a croaky voice, uh, just coming from practice, so... Oh dear, excuse me, that came out of nowhere. Um, so yeah, a little bit rough around the edges, but wanted to get this done and dusted and out for you on this uh, lovely Tuesday morning as always. Um as I mentioned at the top of the show, episode number 90, so we're only 10 away from that 100 milestones, but um, I thought I'd give you a little heads up. Uh, I'm going to take a bit of a break over the Christmas period, so uh, there'll be a few more episodes before the end of the year, um, including our Record of the Year show, which will be the last show of 2018, um, and then we'll be back in 2019 with All Guns Blazing once again, um, and potentially some new things, I don't know yet, I've got things in mind but we'll see what what happens uh anyway hope everyone is well just uh i've just come back from a week off work which has been absolutely wonderful uh got to see lots of friends which is always great uh i went to brighton uh on tuesday uh when i saw uh former podcast guests actually uh esben and the witch you can go back and listen to their episode in our archives um, but yeah, they were awesome, uh, played a lot of stuff off their new record, Nowhere, which is an absolutely wonderful record. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like the kick-starting of my, my week off. Uh, and then I travelled up to Bristol, uh, spent most of the rest of the week with my best friend. Uh, we went and saw Zilanado, which was, they're probably one of the best live acts I've seen this year, um, if not for a very long time. They're just such an interesting band, and they're just really entertaining live as well, so uh, they're currently on the Stranger Fruit tour. I'm not sure how many more dates they've got in the UK, um, but if they're playing a city near you, I recommend going to check them out. Um, and then I finished off my week with a bit of doom when I saw Vile Creature and Bismuth, uh, which was just fucking loud as hell. Um, Bismuth blew me away. They were really cool. Like I'm not a massive fan of their stuff on record, but live it just translates completely differently so yeah that was a, a fun little fun little week but back to the grind now um with work and yeah we're we're back here podcasting which is always always a nice way to for me to start my week considering how stressful work can be sometimes unfortunately um but speaking of busy weeks uh, it's been a pretty busy week for news as well so i'm going to fly through some of these things before we get on to to our guests who no doubt you've seen the title of this episode and very excited for as much as i am um but yeah first and foremost he wanted to mention the hellfest lineup uh one thing i love about hellfest is they just rather than drip feed their their lineups like a lot of festivals do they just boom there you go there's full lineup uh, i'm not going to go out through the whole thing but Next year's festival is being headlined by Man o War, Kiss and Tool, which is a nice, varied, sort of heavy headliners. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's probably not something I'm going to go to myself, but I'd love the opportunity if something were to so happen to fall into place. But if that's so your, so your, so your, your cup of tea, I can't talk tonight, um, then I highly recommend going and check out the rest of the lineup. Um, one of the rest of the lineup who is playing and again a former podcast guest is in this band employed to serve uh will be playing hellfest but they also announced recently that they have signed to spin farm records which is an offshoot of the universal music group uh which is awesome for those guys um their upcoming third record will be released on spin farm um i think 
no spring yeah spring 2019 so keep an eye out for that um speaking of new records scottish screamo gods kaddish uh and now streaming their third record which off the top of my head i can't remember what it's called i should have wrote it down but i didn't uh if you go to idiotech.com i think it's .com or .org again should have written it down uh you can go stream the record off their band camp but that's a a late contender for album of the year i love kaddish they don't do enough stuff but everything they do do is just absolutely perfect in my opinion and this record is no different um yeah and one final thing uh, that i wanted to mention is that neurosis have been announced as this year's headliners for supersonic fest in birmingham uh so yeah already 2019 is shaping up to be a pretty rad year for music by the looks of things um right so to celebrate episode 90 i thought i needed to get a guest on who was equally of high caliber to match that milestone um and i think i've done it but so if you've got this far you have read the title of this episode so you're aware that this week's guest is a man who was an integral part of uh, the formation of the locust uh, he is a vocalist of retox he was involved in some girls as well as other numerous musical projects and more recently he does vocals for the hip-hop uh collaboration i guess is the best way to describe it uh planet b uh my guest is mr justin pearson this is an awesome chat with justin i'm not just saying that uh to big it up but he was really open and happy to talk to me about pretty much anything um so yeah i'm not gonna to dwell on my intro too much longer i'm just gonna let this one flow in and i hope everyone enjoys the chat that i have with justin pearson and i'll see you on the other side Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is a man that has brought us many a musical enjoyment, well, for myself. Uh, he's in uh, The Locust, Retox, Dead Cross, uh, currently doing stuff with Planet B as well. Uh, Justin Pearson. Justin, thank you very much for, for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No worries. How, how are things stateside at the moment? It's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting question there. Where, where do we start? <laughs> um, it's... It's it's uh it's it's fucked. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I don't I don't want to sound like a you know uh, I don't know I don't want to sound pessimistic. Um, I think it's kind of been fucked for a while though. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people that are progressive, um, maybe that that identify with um, democratic the Democrats or specifically with Obama, like got kind of were lazy. Um, I think there was a lot of issues um, during the previous administration. So it's not like something, you know, I mean, yeah, it's totally fucked up right now. And, and especially like with things like white power or white supremacy, you know, kind of becoming like a little bit more normalized. And yeah, that, that's an issue. But yeah, I mean, dude, where do we start? It's, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> well, we'll get into I guess we're going to get into politics a bit more later on down the line. But as I mentioned before, I hit kind of record. Uh, the show is obviously called Justin Insight. I like to take my guests back to their their sort of roots, so to say. So, what was your kind of first exposure to to alternative music that you can remember? Man, I think I think it's it's. Well, I don't know if I want to like go with alternative music as like a, a an angle. I think <clears throat> there's a lot of important things that sort of happened in in my in my, in my exposure to music. I right. think you know, growing up um, in the late 
70s or like 1980 i guess like kind of like obsessing over kiss was interesting because <laughs> okay um i was totally into them as a kid and then i realized that they sucked really bad um <laughs> still as a kid i realized that they were like not really that great musically and like they were pretty fucking lame actually but it was all about the aesthetics yeah and i think that's like a really important thing because then it takes you out of like just identifying with just like <clears throat> musicianship or just the music there's more to it there's there's a performance to it there's a there's there's you know obviously like visual stuff that kind of helps like you through some sort of i don't know i guess like artistic journey or something so i i i saw value outside of things like just the musicianship or just the songs that people are writing so you know it was like i remember like also kind of around that age like hearing um um Mr. Roboto by Styx and like being really into it probably because I was like a, a little little boy and I liked robots or something yeah, you know yeah. like so I mean it was like a weird thing but I mean it wasn't until like I fully got into music and like kind of started like understanding it a little bit more until I got into skateboarding and I mean I was kind of already on the path but it was like discovering like skate rock and, and stuff like that was um was kind of like what really got me into this stuff so it was like that's when i started realizing like there was something cooler and i and I, and, and like there was like somewhat or of a, somewhat more of an edge to it you know like yeah. so before it was like mainstream music was like all i was exposed to and then all of a sudden i'm like oh there's like this weird underground shit that's like pretty gnarly and and kind of it was like totally down with like skateboarding culture and stuff and i think that was kind of like the real um sort of path uh towards where i was you know where I was bound to be headed. Were there any sort of specific bands that you were kind of listening to? Like, obviously, so, as you mentioned, kind of like skate culture and things like that. Were there kind of specific bands that you, you picked up? Sure. I mean, I think that the earlier thing was, I remember when that movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off came out. Yeah. I was um, totally psyched on Yellow and, um, and Sig Sig Sputnik and, like, stuff like that. And, I mean, obviously Devo was kind of like a, a thing at the, at the time that I was into. So... There was like this weird like sort of pop stuff, but I wanted like something that was like a little bit gnarlier, and it took it took a minute to get there. But I was really into like, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, odd stuff. I mean, Six Six Butnik. If you want to go beyond like the musical aspect, was pretty fucking weird. Like they looked <laughs> yeah. weird. They had like commercials on their on their album, like it, you know, and like and that. But that was like intriguing to me, you know. Like I thought, like God, these are freaks, you know. And like <laughs> it kind of like. But in a good way, like freaks, like, wow, they're really out there. And I could kind of feel like me being weird isn't that weird. Like, there's weirder people than me. So, like, fuck you, you know, like, kind of kind of thing. And so, like, I think, um, you know, bands like that. And then, and then just, like, just, like, getting into, like, the cramps and suicidal tendencies and the Sex Pistols and the Misfits. Like, all the, all the obvious ones. Mm. And it was, you know, the obvious, like, punk bands were kind of, like, there. But then it was, like discovering like the, 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 the like sort of like bands that were like a little bit more out on the fringe so it was like finding out about the birthday party or septic death or um i don't know like di or something like it was like those kind of bands were like the ones that were kind of like oh shit now, now it's getting like really weird you know yeah. and, and, and that was and that was like kind of what i wanted because also it seemed like unique and it seemed a little bit more genuine and it also seemed obtainable so that was that was a trip and then i think everything changed when i was 12 and i and i and i got to meet the cramps and like they treated me like a normal person they treated me better than my parents i was like okay like that's it like i found i found my you know my my like i don't know my community or whatever you want to call it you yeah know? And so um 
kind of kind of just went from there. So, yeah, that's that's that. Well, because obviously your kind of family sort of dynamic is is something that's been sort of well documented and you've spoken about in previous interviews and things like that. So you, I, I don't want to go in sort of over old ground so much, but something that I wanted to say you mentioned like that you kind of found your community. So was sort of music and skateboarding kind of your escape from from home life in in a sense oh totally yeah yeah i mean that, that's what raised me you know because i think like you're growing up my parents were both alcoholics and and i mean they i had like insane freedom because but not because like my parents were like oh we're good parents and our son's good it was like they just didn't really pay attention you know but yeah like, they kind of more like a hassle than anything else so like i was able to just kind of get away with whatever i wanted which is pretty dangerous because i could have been a total piece of shit you know as a kid (laughs) and i kind of was like a borderline piece of shit at times but like for the most part like i don't think i i didn't screw up too bad you know and it was like all on my own but i think it was like i really do think it was like a couple things i mean before my so my dad with my dad was murdered when i was younger but before he died he was like really shitty towards me about like me getting into skateboarding ended a punk and he was like, you're going to be a drug addict just like Sid Vicious. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to do drugs. I'm 12 years old or 10 years old or fucking whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. Like you're, you're, you know, you, you and my mom, like, you know, beat each other. And like, you're both alcoholics. Like, I don't want to fucking deal with that shit. You yeah. know? So it was kind of like kind of a trip. And it was a little bit later. I ended up like, I never was straight edge, but I ended up hanging out with a lot of straight edge kids, like the, all the guys in Unbroken and stuff when I moved to San Diego. And I kind of, kind of like realized that like, luckily, you know, like I don't need to do meth or, 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 you know, like, or get wasted or whatever to, to like have fun or to function or do whatever. Like for me, it was like, let's go like still be like equally as bad, but just like a different kind, you know, like when we were like out vandalizing shit or like, let's like you know like let's streak through walmart kind of like <laughs> yeah. you know whatever like just something like that's like a little bit more absurd and and but like not as physically damaging or mentally damaging or financially damaging i guess yeah. you know I, so it it, it it was like a weird thing because then i you know I, I did start seeing like without realizing it like there was something in like being subversive about your actions you know and like yeah i mean as a little kid i didn't know what my actions would equate to but like i also was like really interested in like fucking with people or like fucking with specific people you know that i felt like oh these people are uptight or or here's a bunch of neo-nazis or like what you know whatever like whatever it was like i just found like it amusing to just kind of throw a wrench in the system i i suppose you mm. know and because obviously you said like you'd seen that sort of side with your parents that you didn't want to kind of go down that route do you think that that kind of pushed you towards kind of making abrasive music because obviously a lot of the stuff that you've done is quite sort of aggressive quite out there quite different so do you think that there was kind of a seed planted in you then that that was kind of your outlet maybe i think i just grew up like kind of gravitating towards like more absurd music and absurd art you know and i Mm. think like it was it was just a gradual progression from like you know going from like sticks to to you know um, I don't know crossed out or something or infest you know it was like it just took a minute to get there but once I did I was like oh yeah this is totally absurd and like I mean it isn't like theoretically like it doesn't I mean I guess it has music theory in it to an extent but the just the fact that it was like it was like absurd kind of made sense to me and i think that was like what i was drawn towards Mm. 
And in terms of your sort of own kind of musical journey, so because obviously you play a multitude of different instruments and obviously do vocals as well. So what was the first kind of instrument that you were, were drawn to as a kid? Uh, well, I had a guitar that uh, my mom's cousin loaned me for a while, and I and I I, I, I was into it, but I I don't know what it was like. I just it never like sort of stuck, and it wasn't until I got a bass where I really started to kind of hone in on like playing an instrument. And it, <clears throat> the thing with the bass was like I was really into bands like No Means No, and and um, I don't know like the timbre of 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 the of the bass guitar seemed like really interesting to me. Like it kind of had like. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure why. I guess it was just the thing <laughs> yeah. that I was sort of drawn to. You know what I mean? I, I, I appreciate all instruments. I wish I could play guitar better or or at all, you know, but, like, to me, it was kind of, like, I guess just the way it felt and, the, you know, like, it just felt, like, right, you know? Like, I mean, <clears throat> kind of, like, I played drums a little bit, and when I started playing drums, I, I, I only could play, like, a few, like... I think a few, like, good beats, but I couldn't, like, do a fill or, I could, like, I just... Like, I had enough knowledge of it and yeah. enough understanding of it, but I couldn't really do, like, your basic rock stuff. Like, I was like, oh, I can only play these, like, five fucked up, weirdly, like, like sort of complicated drum beats, and then, like, that's it. Like, I can't do anything else, you know? So, so I mean, I think with the bass, I was, I was able to kind of navigate throughout, like, whatever I needed to do. And then, you know, shortly after that, I was like, oh, there's... There's effects pedals. Okay, now we're gonna go down the fucking wormhole, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, yeah, I think I think I, I would say like discovering No Means No, you know, when I was about fourteen or thirteen, maybe was like was kind of like the, the main sort of bass guitar launching point for me. And mm. then as far as vocals, I mean, I I don't know, like I I never really thought I could sing and I and I and I really do cringe at like the earlier stuff that I did vocally and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't until later that I kind of was like oh okay now I understand what I should be doing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah I kind of get bummed on like I wish I was smarter when I when I was like singing and swing kids and stuff because I don't really know how to write like a verse and a, and a chorus I just like would write a few lines and kind of repeat them over and over and over and, and I don't know. I think I just fucked up. But I, again, I didn't know any better. No one really told me what to do. And I wish, I mean, I heard it. I heard that we sucked. And that, <laughs> that was like, that was about it, you know? So, uh, I just wish I would have known what I know now back then, but it is what it is. I guess yeah. you have to start somewhere to get, to get to that point. Yeah. And when did you move to, to, how old were you when you moved to San Diego? I was 12. <laughs> okay. So had you sort of been exposed to sort of, the live aspect of, of music before you'd moved there or was San Diego kind of like your bedding point? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, you know, I saw my first concert was like when I was seven, I went and saw Shaka Khan and then oh, I, nice. did see a few, I did see like a few metal bands um, yeah. in, in, in Phoenix. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it was, I knew people that played in bands. I, I actually lived, um, near this area where, um, uh, Tom Araya was living at one point, I guess, in Phoenix, and I had and I had ran into him a few times. Okay. So I was like, "Oh my god, that's the guy from Slayer!" I think I think <laughs> yeah. um, they only had, you know, they only had their, I think maybe their first album was out. I remember their first album coming out or like being available, and I and I bought it like thinking like I've seen this guy in you know around my neighborhood. Yeah, and I, yeah. And, I, and and like that was an interesting thing for me. And then I and then I kind of found like I started like in Phoenix. I, I learned like about like. Oh, there's like Sun City Girls, or like you know, like kind of 
like there was this band rabbit rabbit from from phoenix as well like so just kind of meeting people that play music that were like weirdos or you know punks or whatever like that was kind of the the where it's like you know before it's like there's david bowie like you're never gonna ever see him like at at, at, at like you know like driving by or yeah he's not gonna, gonna be right on your corner shop sort yeah. of thing yeah so it, it was an interesting thing to like sort of go like oh shit there's these people that are kind of like obtainable you know and that was i think one of the more interesting points for me mm. so where, when we did you kind of first sort of start exploring to playing music live yourself then was that was that kind of when you were in san diego or were you kind of experimenting <laughs> a little bit in yeah, the phoenix I mean, yeah, so I, I no, I wasn't. I mean, I, I, I didn't. I think I didn't get my. I didn't get a bass until I moved to San Diego. I think I might have been fourteen. And right. So, okay. Um, I had it. And I kind of didn't really know what to do. I didn't really know who to play with. And I, I um, my friend Jose Palafox um, was a drummer, and and I, and we both decided like, all right, you know, you play drums, I play bass. We're gonna start a band. And so, so we put a band together. Um, with people from our well with someone from our high school and then like with a mutual friend um that lived out east and so we had our you know we put our first band together which is struggle yeah we played you know i was 15 and 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 that was it sort of you know and again it was like it took a minute to kind of get um to be decent uh you know i mean i think like the struggle stuff is good for 15 and 16 year olds Mm. um and and also at, at that time, I, th- I guess you know, like that was ninety and ninety one. So yeah, I mean, it's it's it was fine. I, I, I I'm pretty like I can I can tolerate what we did still. Like <laughs> yeah. looking back at it, you know, and I was like, I mean, some of it was a little naive. Some of the politics were a little naive because we were very political. But I don't know, we were fucking pissed, and it was like a sh- kind of a shitty time. Well, it's always kind of a shitty time, but it was like. <laughs> we were like we were dealing with the the, the first iraq war uh or the start of all of the you know sort of shit in the middle east and then like there was like uh the rodney king riots happened during then and you know i mean there was like a lot of really weird sort of i don't know like sort of political hostility happening and uh you know it was like uh george bush uh the, the one was the president and it was like it was just it was like there was a lot of fucked up like sort of racist shit going on and especially in san diego being close to the border like i think that that was another thing that kind of ignited us and there was also a big neo-nazi skinhead issue in san diego so so we were like sort of like using our band as like a means of like combat you know like we were like sort of just really fucking pissed off you know and and i think it's cool too that we were like sort of teenagers and our teen angst was was channeled through something which i think is progressive i mean we could have been like you know just rebelling against parents or teachers or whatever yeah, but we yeah, were rebelling against some it was bigger there was a bigger picture to it so um yeah i don't know i'm, I'm kind of grateful for all that i, I suppose so was, was struggle your first was that your first like actual band then yeah yeah i never we never really did anything before that we i mean yeah, that was our first band. So in in terms of that, because obviously I think for a lot of musicians, their first sort of band is something either kind of like a covers band or like a high school band, and it sort of disappears after like high school's kind of finished and that's sort of it. But obviously Struggle kind of had 
I guess a little bit of success because you were around for for quite a few years, considering you were teenagers. Well, that's the thing is we were only around for about two years, and we were a full on high school band. Like we didn't, you know, like once high school ended, we we ended as a band. Uh, our singer moved, um, and and we just actually our drummer did too. Like we it just kind of well, no, Jose still lived here actually, but our singer moved, so we yeah we stopped like in, in you know right. I mean, I think I had graduated high school, and then like maybe. Uh, two or three weeks later we played our last show you know mm. and um, and that was it but i mean yeah we i mean we went on tour when i went on tour when i was 15 um and 16 and it was kind of weird because it's like you know summer break or christmas break were the times that you know we were at, we were at once we were like when we were not in school we would just do what we could and mm. then, i don't know it's a strange thing it was totally insane to think about like 15 and 16 year olds like going all the way up the coast to canada and back and not really knowing like I mean, I don't think most 15-year-olds did that, you know. I know, mean, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I don't know why we didn't just, like, we weren't kind of, we weren't, like, just, like, um, we weren't just, like, okay with just playing in San Diego, you know. It was it was weird. Like, our first time we played out of, out of San Diego, we went to L.A., and we were like, fuck, this is rad. Let's go further now. And so then we went to Santa Barbara, and we kind of just kind of, then we went to San Francisco, you know. It just, like, kind of went up the coast, and then that was how we sort of did it i suppose mm. and you mentioned obviously the kind of political element of it for and especially being so kind of young and talking about those views so have is that something that you've always kind of been your eyes have always kind of been open to because i think a lot of people they don't kind of become politically mature until they reach their sort of late teens early 20s sort of thing but is that something that's always kind of been in the forefront of your mind yeah, I mean, so a few things like that were kind of interesting that I, I, I guess in retrospect, where I'm like, oh, now I get why this happened because, you know, I, I like I when I I was obsessed over the Sex Pistols as a little kid. So yeah. like when I was like ten or eleven, I I was like just really into what they were doing, and you know they were somewhat political, and but it, I was a little bit like far removed from it. Like I didn't understand like British politics. I yeah. didn't understand. Um, but I also didn't understand things like, you know, Sid Vicious wearing a swastika t-shirt, like, didn't really, I didn't really understand the, like, magnitude of something like that, you know, like, I didn't really see it, like, I, I didn't know what nihilism was, you know, like, I just kind of was like, oh, that looks cool on him, or, like, you know, how, how, like, a lot of the people that were associated with the pistols wore, like, swastika armbands or something, I kind of, like, you know, I got it, that it was, like, they were trying to be offensive, but I, but I didn't really think beyond that necessarily so it, it was weird because i like started getting into the dead kennedys and i was like okay like nazi punks fuck off makes a lot of sense because there's nazi punks around but i still was like huh this is strange like i don't understand like you know one band i like it like has this like sort of imagery the other band i like you know is like against it so it, it I, I i had to like kind of comprehend something on a basic level of yeah. like what what like fascism was I, I guess you know and and like finding out like okay like this is this is like <clears throat> an oppressive force like neo-nazis are they're like not you know like um this is like not cool or whatever and, and so i mean I, I you know being like 13 i guess and like start of start, sort of like figuring that out was was interesting and then it was like when we started playing in struggle um you know we we, we i don't know we were like associating ourselves with like the revolutionary communist youth brigade you know and like i'm not communist um i don't think i ever was really a communist but like i, I was like kind of intrigued by like 
a lot of their messages, you know, yeah. like, you know, like they were like into like certain things like, you know, um, you know, like, um, you know, like women's liberation and like, uh, you know, just like identifying with like imperial or not identifying, but like exposing imperialism, you know? And I was like, Whoa, this is crazy shit. Like, I, I don't know. Like if to me, it made, it made sense. And I was like, it, it, I don't know. It was interesting. It's like, I guess getting into like, I don't know, like kids like nowadays are like into gaming or something, you know, like it was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of like into it, you know I mean? Again, like well, this is pre internet, pre a lot of things that we have now, you know? So it was like, uh, you know, and, and it was also, I mean, if you, if I, looking back at it is like, I was also into like bands like bad religion. Like that was a very political band to kind of grow up with too. And like, and then like being exposed to like maximum rock and roll and, you know, different elements that, that were totally political, mm. you know? And so it, it, it didn't, it didn't seem like odd to get into politics. I mean, I don't know. And then it's a trip too, because I still, to this day here, like, you know, po- politics don't belong in music. And I'm like, well, well, fucking, I don't know what you're doing. Listening yeah. to like half the bands, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so, I think that's the, the one place it, it should be really, to be honest. Sure. I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, I grew up listening to like a lot of like just a very, very different kinds of things, you know, and like even going back to like Six Six Sputnik, like they're not political at all, but like their sort of like vibe is like really fucking weird, like almost kind of like, I mean, I don't know this, this might not be accurate, but like looking back at it, it was like totally like homoerotic or like LGBTQ kind of like world, you know, yeah. and I was like, so I was like into that. I was like, wow, this is fucking weird. And it's like, totally not masculine and there's these dudes like wearing fishnets and stuff and like that was cool in itself and it really didn't have anything to do with the music you know and like that stuff was rad i mean i, I that's why i think i liked the sex pistols you know because they had like orange hair and like you know spikes and like shit like that it was it was interesting mm. it was i don't know is it this a cool like sort of theatrical thing that like set them aside from you know mainstream i i guess you yeah know, mainstream music and just before we kind of move on i just want to touch Upon, obviously you mentioned kind of where you you were sort of there obviously was a presence of kind of nazi skinheads and and things like that and obviously being a young person that is kind of trying to confront that and sort of talk about that in a, in a sort of a political sense did, did you kind of ever get any sort of like threats or pushback so consider, especially considering you were so young and and sort of talking about these issues yeah it was a, it was a fucking trip you know there were times where like <laughs> It was something like I was about to get beat up and didn't because the person that was going to kick my ass was over 18 or in the military because there's a pretty big military presence in San Diego. Right. And, you know, I was I was 15 or 16. So it was, you know, they would it wouldn't be like a wise idea, you know. But then there was times where it was like, you know, running into Nazis at the beach and they're like, oh, you're the dude and smash my head, you know, with a with a skateboard, you know, like shit like that would happen a lot, you know, and it was it was like. But it was like par for the course, you know, like I, I knew what we were getting ourselves into. And it was and it was also like, I mean, that element of being like combative with, you know, I don't know, like the oppressor or whatever, like <clears throat> made sense. It was like, this is what we're going to do. I mean, fuck. I mean, kids fight all the time. Like, I, it was just like I was just fighting dudes that were like that had like a political ideology that was wrong. You yeah. Know? I mean, it wasn't like I was fighting like some jock at the, at, you know, <laughs> yeah. the football team. I was fighting like some asshole that was a, that was a white supremacist, but you know, like I started learning shit. Like, like there was this, there was the San Diego boot boys, you know, and they were like these kind of like dickhead 
skinheads that would just fuck everyone up at the shows and like one of them was like you know like just tormented me and it was like he beat me up twice or knocked me out once and then like you know like beat me up once and the second time he beat me up like after he was done like sort of kicking my ass i was like i and i realized i was like dude your your real name like your birth name is joe is jose like you know like because he's goes by joe you know yeah yeah. like joe and i was like i was like dude your dad's mexican your your real name is jose like you can kick my ass all you want and you can like identify the white power, but you're half Mexican, so the fucking <laughs> the jokes on you. And like, sure enough, like he never messed with me after that. You yeah, know? because like that just probably fucked him up, you know, <laughs> fucked his mind up, whatever. And, like, but those, not, you know, like, but you know, I've been shot at and shit like that. Like, oh. it was it was weird. Like, it was, it was a trip, you know, like dealing with that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it it is what it is, uh, I guess, you know. And I mean. I guess I'm lucky to still be here. I don't. I don't know where they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And something that you mentioned, kind of at the very beginning, and you mentioned obviously talking about the Sex Pistols as well, is kind of the theatrics, kind of behind rock and punk or whatever. And obviously, a lot of people, their first exposure of, of your music was obviously the Locust, which is kind of something that is quite different, quite theatrical. And it was my first exposure to your music. Um, the very first time I kind of heard the Locust was off the the Hellfest 2003 DVD, and I just remember what, seeing like the videos of you guys and thinking, "What the fuck is this?" Sort of thing. I'd never heard anything like it before. Never seen anything like it before. So, was that like was that a thought process going into it? As obviously having like the bodysuits and the mask was having that theatrical element to the band. Well, there's two things that happened on accident, I think. I mean, I mean one of them was kind of like we initially wanted to sound like Crossed Out, who were like a – they were like a San Diego band that was similar to like bands like Infest or, right. or, or something like that. So so we were like, let's sound like Crossed Out. Um, and we tried to at first, but then like it was like um, – we kind of like discovered like Moog synthesizers. So we were like, we need to fucking get a synthesizer in our band. You know, and at the time I think like – you know, I think Annie Agaro had a synthesizer on one of their albums and like, you know, it kind of seemed like it was becoming more like, um, integrated into like punk and stuff. Um, the VSS and stuff like that. And it was like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to have a synth player and we're going to have like blast beats, you know, like nobody at that time had really done that. And so I think that was like, it wasn't that we were trying to be innovative or different or we were just like, we were all like really psyched on, weird shit you know like gary newman and devo and stuff like that were like that's cool and then we also really like you know seriously brutal shit like let's let's just mix the two and and it was like and that was how that happened i i, I suppose and then the, the like sort of like visuals or the are like us wearing a uniform was was like kind of like a reaction to like a lot of people being very critical on us when we dressed normally and and saying that we had a fashion thing and we cared about like the way we look and and like we you know we didn't like none of us really gave a shit we just looked <laughs> yeah. a certain way and you know i mean for the most part like we were all poor we would like buy our clothes at thrift stores or or steal or whatever you know and it wasn't like we put a lot of effort into it you know like but it's the same kind of thing like when you look at like bands like the sex pistols i mean they were fucking poor they were wearing garbage you know they were wearing torn up shit not because it looked cool it's because like that was just like what they had and they like made use of like whatever they whatever was available to them and they think that was kind of like what we were doing so by default like we were getting all this criticism for the way we looked 
And we were like, all right, well, fuck you. We're going to start wearing these uniforms as, as sort of like a joke. And then it like kind of took off and became a thing. And it was like, fuck, this is cool. Like we can go to a show and, and play and feel like, you know, I'm, I mean, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. We all like grew up listening to like the Beatles. They all looked a certain way. And yeah. It was like, again, like going back to like bands like Devo or like the residents, like where they were like, they had, or even like Ramones. I mean, they had an identity. Like you looked at them and you're like, those are the dudes in the band, you know, like, so then, you know, it was kind of like that, but to like a bit more of an absurd extreme level, I suppose. Mm. But it was also the fact that we all grew up listening, like, be psyched on like science fiction and like just weird like campy shit you know like sci-fi and horror stuff was like kind of cool and it just seemed fitting on a few levels and again kind of going back to like the whole six six Sputnik thing it was like it kind of blurred things and made it like more androgynous and i think that was a really important thing for us because we thought like we're playing hard music or brutal music and we want like we don't want it to be masculine we don't want it to be like a a dude fest you know yeah. where, like most hardcore bands were like just dudes you know and we were like fuck that like we're gonna have like everyone be included you know and and, it, and then it became like again got a little bit aggressive and combative like with other bands and like just like straight edge gangs and shit trying to fight us and like oh it really was fucked up yeah yeah it was weird it, it, you know and it was like oh cool like all right then we have like even more of a purpose i guess like yeah. to play our music and fight people you know or like <laughs> and, or outsmart them or whatever you know like so, um, yeah, that, that was, I guess, like the, the sort of linear process yeah. of, of where we got. Well, because I think, you, as you mentioned there, like one of the things that I thought was quite interesting, take, take away kind of the musical element, like visually, as you mentioned, like all of you were quite sort of like skinny dudes. And like previously, like my sort of interaction with sort of um, like American hardcore specifically was kind of like these big, tough macho guys so to see like this group of guys in what essentially to me as a as a sort of young teenager looked like kind of human ants or insects sort of thing playing this absolutely nuts music was like something that i was like i need to dig into this more i need to find out what their their deal is so did that kind of work in your favor to some extent that because you had this sort of weird kind of obscure look that that people sought you out and like maybe it kind of started as a bit of a joke like oh, look at the locust but then people actually became fans of what you were doing well that's an interesting point because i think there's probably both aspects of it but to us we were just like we didn't give a shit you know like we were just like we're gonna play this fucked up music we're gonna look fucked up and like it doesn't matter what anybody thinks you know and it was like because the thing was like there was a lot of like i think we didn't realize at the time but this is something that i that i i've kind of like reflected on and i and i believe was like an important factor for the locust or anything that like all of us have done was that like as long as people were reacting positively or negatively we were succeeding because like if people were indifferent then we were then we were wasting our time Mm. but like we got a reaction of virtually everyone that we were com- coming across they fucking hated it or they loved it and that was cool you know we could walk away being feeling with a sense of accomplishment we we were the ones that were like making people pay attention to some extent and that was rad you know and like and i think like the fact that we were a little bit like um you know kind of crass and like abrasive with certain things like was 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 good you know i mean but we grew up in san diego where like we had like freedom to do these kind of things and the ability to kind of like 
not have to be like you know big macho dudes and playing hard music or even like big macho like white dudes playing music which is obviously like what a lot of punk and hardcore is so it's mm. like you know i think we just kind of were like let's hide our identity let's make it sort of campy and strange and like make this sort of like more i don't know like avant-garde you know because we were also drawing from like just a, a fucking variety of things you know and that and that was like i think where you like look at a lot of like like sort of like tougher like hardcore bands they were kind of just like only focused on being like that kind of same thing that has already existed and for us we were just like oh let's throw let's do we like this let's put this as as part of our you know um i guess artistic output you know like we our, our influences were like you know all over the place you know it's more like like dada you know like or like just like I don't know, like situationist or something like just kind of like this. There was like a lot of metaphorically, you know, like hidden messages or like subversive messages. And that I think was like cool because then it was like, it seemed a little bit more, I don't know, like a little more intellectual than just being like, you know, your average hardcore band, like saying the, the obvious. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned there that obviously within sort of heart, like, I guess, the tr- traditional sense of hardcore like there still to this day there's kind of a, a lot of sort of emulation of of what's kind of gone past sort of thing and and as i mentioned like for me personally when i i first heard the locust like at that point in time in my life i'd never heard anything like that before but obviously fast forward sort of now there is a lot of bands that you can clearly hear there is a locust influence in what they're doing and there are bands that are near off ripping off what the locusts do sort of thing so for you is it kind of a weird sort of full circle that bands are now sort of doing what you did all those years ago and sort of bringing it into 2018 i I mean i don't know like i I think i think i don't know sweet kids (laughs) ripped off drive like jehu uh i mean the locusts out to rip off crossed out you know so i mean it's it's i don't know i think it's fine um Mm. i think it is what it is as long as people are honest and and doing something i mean fuck maybe we were maybe the locust was like a um sort of you know launching point for something new that was discovered you know i mean it was like if it wasn't for bands like throbbing gristle or 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 uh i don't know like swans or something maybe you know the locust pie wouldn't be as as fucked up as we are like it just it just was like it was like there was had to be something to like influence us to do what we did you know yeah. so like i mean it wasn't like we were trying to necessarily i mean even with swing kids like we weren't i didn't think we were trying to copy drive like jehu but i was like fuck it seems pretty like much like drive like jehu, but, <laughs> but i mean uh, if you're gonna copy someone fuck i Jay is a great band to copy, <laughs> you, know, like, uh, uh, you know, but it's, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question. I'll just say like, thanks. If someone, someone is trying to rip us off. Uh, I think that's a, that's a very fair point. Um, and obviously kind of that period where sort of locusts were, I guess, kind of getting a bit of a buzz around them in those sort of early kind of two thousands sort of thing. There was kind of a hive mind of, sort of bands that were doing different things obviously yourselves in their daughters uh sort of a little bit later on down the line kind of some girls which obviously you were kind of involved with and things like that so 
that period of of time of music what was it kind of like being part of it because obviously i think people kind of looking back nostalgically think of myself included in this think that was a fucking rad time in, in music but being part of that and now looking to where you are now doing something creatively in a different sense do, do you look back on that nostalgically or is it kind of that's done that bit of your life is done and now we're moving forward sort of thing i don't know I, I, well I, for one i don't really i see the changes or the shifts and things but like i don't like i'm not able to like sort of compartmentalize it and like yeah. here's the cutoff point and here's the next chapter like i just kind of see like this sort of linear process because the whole time like let's see like the world was evolving humans were evolving like uh music was evolving like technology was evolving like you know like people's uh, i guess like creative outputs were changing like it was becoming you know everything was just changing so like i i don't know if there was like a sort of cutoff point but i remember like for me uh, you know there are like sort of sort of like things that happen like when the locust went and did this tour called oops it was like the locust lightning bolt and airborne radar and then we would have two sort of regionally opener opening bands as well so it'd be five bands so like the regional bands were like the blood the blood brothers or get hustle or orth realm or quintron or rob ross so like basically it was like five bands that were just fucked in like all these weird ways but it like and like not even like comparable musically you know like you you can't be like all oh, these two bands sound the same or these three bands it was just like here's a here's this sort of like i don't know like this weirdo community and it was like very empowering to like those shows like were just like um i don't know like kind of like for us like in the band like it was like life changing you know it was like okay here we this is it like we've we've reached like this this sort of point of like uh it seemed like we had like uh achieved something you know not us like the locust but like everybody involved you know yeah. it was like it was it was and so from then on out it was like all right like you know then we were like the next tour we're doing is gonna have to have like geronimo or no it's bastard noise daughters and 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 cattle decapitation that'll be the next tour you know like <clears throat> so we were you know it was we were very like okay there's sort of like strength in numbers i suppose but, but at the same time like all the bands that were like involved yeah to me, didn't like I, we don't sound like cattle decapitation you know and like bastard noise is noise so it, it was you know like there's no drums in it like whatever so it was just it was like an interesting thing you know and then, you know we did like a tour with phantom Oss, and it was like us and phantom Oss and the um i think uh what was it trevor dunn convalescent trio i think is what it's called and so it was like it was the same sort of thing it was just like this huge like this sort of big deal and it was like it was it was like the strength and powers you know and power or sorry power was it strength and numbers um you know so, <laughs> yeah. it, um, so it was like that was kind of like the this like thing that we started realizing you know mm. and, and 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 that was um i don't know yeah that was it was rad but th- at the same time like okay going back to some girls like we went on tour with converge and modern life is war and everyone hated us and it was weird to kind of go out on tour with those bands and be like why why is everyone like fucking pissed at us like this is weird but but we were glad like to an extent we were like at least they're reacting you know like at least they're not indifferent you know and Mm. uh, i guess at the time like yeah we were probably trying to be dicks and kind of like and, and, and like um you know like provoke the audience like by playing like 
and we had this song death face that was you know t- 10 minutes long there's one riff you know and it's like let's just fuck with people and play death face for 30 <laughs> minutes you know so i mean i guess it was but at the same time it was i don't know because we we were able to kind of draw our influences from other things too you know and so i i, I guess it was that that sort of like same thing but you know reaching out to certain um fan bases or whatever whether or not quite as open to something different or not quite as progressive or something i suppose mm. is what we what we were seeing so yeah i mean i don't know like i don't think there's like a like a, these like giant like shifts or like yeah. these cut off points i think it's just kind of like this sort of linear thing and it's always going to change it's still changing it's and at the time it's like when you're in it, it doesn't seem as is like uh, I don't know. Like it's not as like grand, you know. It's like yeah, you can look yeah. back, or you can make a documentary. And, like it's like when every time you watch like a like a Clash documentary, you're like, "Guys, that's so crazy." But then you think about it, like it might not have been that crazy for them when they were in it, you know? Yeah, and something that I've obviously kind of read up about, and you've kind of spoken you in interviews that you're very kind of open about any sort of subject that's kind of put before you, and. You're you're not a person to kind of shy away from sort of confrontations. You've kind of spoken since we've been talking, like obviously sort of fights in those early days, and kind of wanting to be a bit abrasive and crass in in Locust and things like that. So has that kind of I guess not give a shit attitude sort of been something that's always existed within you? And do you think that that's kind of helped? you succeed in the world that you're you're in uh yeah because if you give a shit you kind of i think you limit yourself you know like you're if you if you're scared or like you're not able to take a a chance or to kind of go like i don't know what i'm doing but i i feel comfortable you know or like i feel like it's i like it or whatever you know like I, i i guess like i mean everything i've done my entire you know musical life like has always been criticized if i would have listened to everyone i would have i would have stopped at struggle you know yeah i mean i remember like playing a show with struggle and <clears throat> scott bartoloni who was in heroin and forced down and into the line he's in all these fucking rad bands that i really liked you know we played a show down the line and you know scott would i don't know what it was we were just bummed about our show i remember scott saying like yeah hey, you guys just suck you should just stop you know and like <laughs> It was crazy because our guitar player quit after that. You know, we had a, we got a new guitar player, and it was, but it was like, fuck, like, do we suck? Like, or does that guy just is he just an asshole for saying that? <laughs> or like, you know, it was weird, but it was like probably both, I guess. You know, maybe he is an asshole, and maybe we did suck. But the, it was just a weird thing to kind of like hear that from like your peer, you know. And I was like, all right, but I liked it. You know, yeah. I liked what I was doing, and I was doing my best. I was trying like. I, whatever i mean yeah it probably wasn't that good like i if i could have chose to sound like end of the line or struggle i would have rather sounded like end of the line but i didn't know like how to do that yet you mm. know and something else is obviously still a massive big part of your life now is obviously the record label that you run so i guess kind of going back to the the strength in numbers that you kind of mentioned earlier was that kind of the the idea of starting the label in in the first place is that that kind of you had a all these bands that were kind of making this this music but maybe didn't necessarily have a platform and you wanted to provide it or how did that kind of all come about um well that was like definitely <clears throat> up uh, the, the sort of strength in numbers aspect was definitely like an important thing but i didn't really realize it at first um, okay. that that was something that i was focusing on my main focus was that i 
was, ex- you know, like Struggle released all of our records on Ebullition, and they were very, you know, they, they just did such an amazing job at their packaging, and the and the, the whole community of Ebullition was rad, and it was cool to be part of that. And so as soon as Swing Kids started releasing stuff, like our initial, our 7-inch was initially on another label, and we did like a, a Struggle, I think, before that did a split with Undertow on another label, and it was like, I realized, like, shit you guys there's really crappy labels out there like that are releasing <laughs> our records and i was like and so i was like i i think i can do a good a better job you know like i can at least do a shitty as a shitty job as some of the other labels hmm. and then i and then i'm the one to fault instead of me being like fuck these people for for like changing our artwork or like making like a you know shitty cover or like you know bootleg like making these garbage t-shirts and selling them and not asking us if the artwork's okay so i was like i can do this myself and and um and like i'll be accountable you know and so like i i I, so i kind of just did it for that like to kind of have more control but then it was like i think that the fact that the locust was touring all the time and i was meeting all these other bands you know jenny piccolo festival that year like um you know just like black dice whatever like it just it was like okay there is sort of like uh, you know like i i don't know like i guess i kind of felt like an equivalent to what ebullition did because for us ebullition was like all of our friends bands yeah and it was like and it had like and there was like a there was like a thing to it you know where like you think of a lot of labels and there's there's not like a you know, there might be like a sound, like, cause there's not a 3-1-G sound, but there's like, but you can kind of expect something to be like in this sort of weird realm, Yeah. you know, because he, so that, that was like sort of like the, 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 the main objective. And I think it goes back to like the whole idea of like, uh, we were talking about the Oops tour, you know, none of the bands are the same, but they're all just, just fucked up in their own way, you know? And that, I think that that was like, without realizing it, the sort of, blueprint or like the guidelines that we were all following it wasn't even about 3-1-g or me or the locust or anything it was it was just a community and it was a it was i mean because we you know there was there was final communications there was vermiform there's fucking discord you know there's gravity records like all these labels that that kind of had this like aesthetic and had this like sort of i guess you know vibe or whatever and that was the vibe was something that i wanted to try to achieve hmm. um more so than like obviously running a business wasn't I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it, there's, it's like, I, I hate using these terms and I never had thought of this until recently, but like, you know, it's like the term branding. It's yeah. Like, okay. Like there's a brand now, you know, not that I don't want to equate it to capitalism or to like, you know, shitty like products or something, but, it, but it's, I guess the better word would be community. Yeah. It isn't a brand, it's a community. And I think that's a, like a, a really strong point that unfortunately a lot of people don't seem to, uh, are, are not able to achieve. It's not like, and I don't know how the fuck it happened. It was just me right time, right place, right place, right time, whatever. And I just, again, maybe the fact that I was always touring and like meeting these rad people and kind of creating these friendships or these bonds with them, that, that might be like, the, the overall like I guess goal or, or the, the the way that we were able to achieve what we did with 3-1-G and I guess that, that was leads nicely into my next question because I was going to say like has it kind of given you sort of a different perspective of, of how that kind of side of things work but you meant obviously you're saying about the, the community sort of aspect of it is that kind of where you rather than is it, I guess a 
a big label is running as a business that you're kind of running it from from an inside of you that you want to give bands a chance sort of thing is that your kind of ethos sure i mean i wish i could give bands a chance and really like pull through because but you know it's a small operation There's yeah only a couple people running the label and we'd have no money and it's it's a it's a bummer to an extent but it is <clears throat> i mean yeah it's an it's a it gives bands a chance i mean it, an interesting thing was like with the blood brothers when we put out march on electric children right before that record came out they signed to a major so mm. like the major their whole idea was like oh yeah let's let 31g release this because this is like gonna get some sort of street credit or something like that you know and i was like what the hell and, and it helped us I and mean, we sold a lot of records that way and it was um it was cool to I think I think we the label got a lot of exposure and that was and I and that was rad and obviously like we loved the blood, the blood brothers but it was also like kind of a weird thing like I mean yeah I guess we were like sort of used in a sense to, to like for some sort of reason you know but um I don't know it's interesting I, I don't have a problem with that I guess I'm like I'd rather be the label that has like cool shit yeah, like, yeah. the label that has like a lot of money and we can just like buy it you know like i don't want to have to buy it i want to like have it be like re- the real deal yeah and if speaking sort of hypothetically like if i was in a band and i was like oh i, I want my record out on 31g what what would sort of be the sort of things that you were looking out for kind of things or or is is that not some the, the process that you work in how how do you sort of approach a release i guess is what i'm asking yeah great great question so um for one i don't have any money we don't make <laughs> any money so like it, it, it's it's hard for me to go like oh this person sent me their demo or their album or whatever and it's it's even if it's good or bad let's say it's good let's say it's fucking awesome but i'm like okay for one i don't know who these people are i yeah. have no idea like if they're cool or like if i would get along with them i i don't i've never seen them play like it's really fucking hard to go like all right here let me throw a bunch of money at you let me manufacture your record and then like hope that we yeah it might be good i mean just because i like it doesn't mean it's gonna sell or yeah yeah it, or that it's good or bad and and the thing is like in the past like i i think we were a little bit more open to taking chances like you know we put out like asterisk who i think only played like maybe three shows and they're a swedish grindcore band that no one knows about you know and we're also sitting on a ton of their product because it won't sell but like we knew Jonas and we knew the people in the band and it was something that we thought was like rad and we stood by it so it's like that kind of mentality it's like i mean for me it's like when people do solicit stuff to 31g like it's very flattering that we're on someone's radar that they would consider us and a lot of times it's just like they copy and paste some email. It's like, here's our, you know, yeah, yeah. like just listen to what you, and it's not that, but there's times where people will like write a letter and say like, you know, we grew up listening to the locust and blood brothers and airborne radar and you change our life, you know, something nice. And like, there's, there's like, there's sort of like a, you know, a, a personality to it. And there's a, there's a history and they put some effort into it. You know, it's a genuine conversation. You're, so those are like, I'm like, ah, you know, like, struggling because like this is good and i appreciate you writing but we're gonna even if i was like i love this record we're gonna sit on them we're gonna sit on thousands of copies yeah <laughs> like, yeah i was like is it gonna sell i don't know so it's it's for me like because for the most part like i have to pay for it out of my pocket you know and yeah if i'm course. gonna pay for it i like want to know the people who i'm gonna just like lose a couple thousand dollars on you know but 
I mean, even like like one of our uh, okay, like two of our real recent releases. Okay, okay, how about this? Like one of our recent releases is Panicker, which is like uh, electronic music, and it's I think it's fucking awesome. But he doesn't play live, and I don't know if people will um, be able to get into it. It's it's not like a lot of other three one G releases. But I but but Panicker, who's one person, he's family yeah and, and and i and i do think his music is fucking awesome and so i'm like all right let's do this you know like let's put effort into it and let's do it same with microwaves i mean we just put their record out and they're they've been about a band for a long time they have a lot of records out they tore their asses off they, you know they're always doing something they've been around for so fucking long i yeah. think actually they might have even played on one of the oops shows but um you know finally like we did a record for them and it's a fucking ripping record it's i think it's their best record it just you know, I don't, are we going to sell thousands of copies? No, probably not. You know, I don't, I don't know why, but maybe we're a stepping stone for them to get onto a bigger label. You know, yeah. like, it'd be cool to hear like, oh my God, the microwaves are now on, I don't know, whatever label, pick, <laughs> pick, pick the next bigger size label. And, and like, that would be cool. You know, if we help them do that, that's cool. Be part and, of some kind of process. And in terms of kind of, obviously releasing music, but, but going back to, to yourself, Justin, obviously being sort of a prolific writer and musician yourself, obviously, for, even from struggle all the way up to now, you've been in countless bands, as I mentioned at the top of the show, obviously Locust, Dead Cross, Retox, Some Girls, and obviously Planet B now. So for for you personally, what, what is the drive to continually put something out? Because a lot of people could easily sort of go right, this is that that band, I'm done for a little while, I'll take a break, and then maybe, I don't know, three, four years down the line, you might see them in a new band. But for for you, it always seems to be like, next thing, next thing, next thing. So what what's the drive that keeps you going inside? Well, what would I do in those four years of a break? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that's a long time. You know, I mean, that's a, that could be a lifespan of a... Of one or two bands like i don't know it just seems like a weird a weird thing to not do something for that long yeah i I just i just think like i don't know hey like uh, i'm not busy let's let's you know whoever like let's start doing this let's jam let's put this together i don't know or like i just guess kind of maybe starts out as like sort of just a weird project and maybe become something a little bit more solid planet b is a good example i mean it was just two songs even before that it was just part of a film score you know and it became like a band and now it's like a full band yeah so it's like um i think it's just you know just that's like i said i don't know it's like you have people that go like all right here we are we're gonna be a band and we're gonna do this and like go for it and like we're gonna be like a professional band you know you know part of the process is to like let's get our in you know let's get our domain name or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, like, for me, it's just kind of like, let's just get together and work on some shit and then see where it goes from there and like, you know, it's, I don't know, people's priorities are different, I suppose. Mm. And obviously, well, I'll go into Planet B a little bit more in a moment, but obviously, kind of, more recently, people will have sort of been checking in the, I guess in the heavier sphere, it would be checking out sort of the stuff you've been doing with with Retox, obviously Dead Cross as well, and that was something where I guess you've kind of been freed up where you're doing vocals sort of solely sort of thing, and a lot of people have commented on sort of 
your your stage presence is is something that kind of goes hand in hand with the shows that you do and talking to you now obviously you you've come across as a very eloquent well-spoken kind of person but obviously <laughs> the the person that is on stage is completely different sort of thing so i i don't know i, I always find it interesting when you see the the polar opposite so is this is it just a, an adrenaline rush that kind of comes comes to you when you kind of hit the stage or is it do you get taken away with the music i, I don't know is there just something that kind of is it is it that kind of switch on mentality well i don't know if i understand like your perspective of it i, I suppose or, or like people's perspective because to me it's just it's like you're i don't know uh, it's hard to explain like i guess you know playing a show is like um there's all this energy happening you know yeah, like of course. Uh, you know so 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 you you know you're 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 looking at like emotion and and i don't know like um i'm not sure what i like we can't sit down and have like a have like a really uh in-depth conversation when there's like you know fucking blasting amps and drums <laughs> yeah. and shit so so it like you know like um and then also like i don't know like in between songs are we, are we supposed to like have everyone pay attention and like start talking like so there's not a lot of like i'm a fan of like never speaking at, uh, at a show like i think it's so rad to not even say like one single thing but i also realize that it sort of like alienates people or like kind of especially if you're not the headlining band like if you're just if you're opening and you don't engage with the crowd at all you mm. know like people think you're a dick and that's it's not that like I don't know like is that something that has to happen? Do I need to like say hi and thanks and like, I mean yeah hi and thanks, but like we're there, f- fucking trying our best like, you know being wherever it is in the on the planet like we we were obviously like psyched that people are like paying attention to some extent you know or like I don't know it's weird so I, I don't know what people's expectations are but I mean most of you know me i guess i'm always like pretty accessible like at a show so like um, you know my stage you know jp opposed to like uh, hanging out by merch jp or like loading gear jp is like kind of it's the same thing but there's just like it's just a little bit more calm when i'm not yeah. in the middle of playing a, a, sh- a show and and you know like i don't know it's weird it's it's like yeah when i do take the opportunity to speak it's like um let's say something fucking righteous that's going to like go hand in hand with the music and get people like psyched or like get them to like really feel like the intensity or like, I don't know, man, it's weird. I mean, you know, I think that like one of the more recent retalk shows, it was like, you know, we were dealing with like issues with proud boys, like, you know, fighting people like even in Los Angeles, you know, and that was kind of like the only thing I felt like, you know, sort of not obligated, but like felt like, um, uh, you know, like, I, I should say something, you know? And so I was like, yeah. all right, like, I'm going to make a, I'm going to say a comment about like what we're dealing with now, like proud boys, like the, the, the new version of white supremacy and, 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 you know, in America or whatever, in the world or whatever. And so, and it was like, fuck this shit, you know, here's the song. Let's fucking do this kind of thing. And it was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure like, I'm, I'm fucking hoping that like everyone there is like, cool. Like we also hate like white supremacists too, you know? So it was like, I take the opportunity to say one, you know, chunk of, you know, like not a speech, but like one little thing. And it's like, and like, 
let's fucking get like you know let, let's say like and this is probably like pretty accurate 99 percent of the crowd was like fuck yeah we hate white supremacists let's do let's hear this ripping song like let's you know let's fucking like rock hard together you know, let's share this sort of energy and then there's the one percent they're like what the fuck I'm, I'm a i like white you know like i'm a white supreme, you know then it's like then it's like let's alienate those people let's fucking get everyone else psyched and then we'll do our that's our job right you mm. know like i don't know like i don't know what else we could really talk about in 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 in, in a in that setting yeah you know like we are right now and something else in a completely sort of different sphere as of see you i guess you're kind of as you've sort of grown older you're sort of uh, has evolved you've sort of done different things obviously one thing i wanted to touch on quickly was obviously the two books that you've written so was that something that i guess can be like a cathartic thing but was it quite a a, a daunting sort of thing to kind of because as i've mentioned earlier like you're you're very open but to kind of put pen to paper of your life story of everything that you've kind of been through and it's a very sort of detailed open sort of process of what your your life has been like were you kind of sort of tentative or did you think no i need to to put this out there i need to get this out of my head and put it onto paper sort of thing uh no it was none of that i think i just (laughs) i i I was asked to do like i asked i was asked to like write a tour journal for a tour that i was on okay journal and so i did it and I shared it with some people, and a, and, a, and a friend of mine was like, "You need to write a book." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, uh, he, "He said, you know, write a write a write a write a short story, and and, and go from there." And so I, I, you know, I I wrote one story. It was actually about Kiss. Okay. Um, and and I sent it to him, and he was like, "There you go. There's the start of your book." And I was like, "What the fuck?" And so then I just kind of pieced it together, all these different stories. And again, it's like a first record. It's like looking back and being like, you know, I hated like what I did in the Swing Kids. So it's kind of like I'm looking back. I'm like, God, I, why did I write that? I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, yeah, and it was yeah. like, You know, like that's why I think like the second book that I wrote is a little bit more focused, and I think a little bit more better written. It's it's it's. I thought my consequences are thought out. Like, cause I think I probably like bummed some people out in the first book and stuff. And I, I don't know, like, it's just like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm open about things. I probably shouldn't have talked about certain stuff or whatever, but I don't know. At the same time, everyone says shit about me too. And I, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I doesn't, I don't know. Maybe I just don't have a, a very good filter or something, but um, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. And I guess kind of on that note of sort of, you mentioned people sort of, saying things about you obviously I guess like I don't mean this in to be like a critical way but there is a reputation around Justin Pearson I think in some aspects like people sort of either I, I guess a, an analogy to say is over here there's a, a preservative called Marmite and people always say you either love it or you hate it sort of thing and I think whether it comes to your music or things like that people will either love Justin Pearson will hate it sort of thing is that and is that something that you kind of think about or is it just I don't know like because you are a a personality within the the punk DIY scene and is that something that crosses your mind or do you not really care about that sort of thing I, I don't think I really care about it I'm I but it, but looking back at it and like acknowledging it like I'm I don't know. Like, I mean, musically speaking, I'm grateful that I have that reaction. Mm. But like, aside from that, like, 
you know, I don't really want people to fucking hate me. Like, you know, I mean, it's one thing if they don't like what I do musically, that's fine. But like, I don't really necessarily want someone to hate me. And the and the weird thing is like, for the most part, I mean, there's a couple people that don't like me, and I guess there's probably justification in it. But for the most part, people are like, they don't like me for something that like I have no control over. You know, like yeah, not like not like I have threats and I can't control it. I'm saying like no control over like they have a perception that is. I'm pretty sure not accurate. And yeah. It's like it's become this thing where they're fucking dead set. Like they know I'm an asshole or I'm a dick or like I am a certain way. And I'm like, I'm not like that at all. Like, Oh, well, you know, and at the same time, it's like, do I even give a shit though? Like, I don't know them. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't judge them. And I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think I've done a lot of work on myself, like to kind of like realize like, man, there's no reason to like pass judgment on someone or to hate someone or to dislike someone for something that's like, not really worth that energy yeah and something else that you you're kind of obviously adding another string to your bow is kind of the the acting sort of element of of stuff that you you're doing so um is that something that that has kind of come to you later in life that you wanted to to sort of dip your toe into the water or is it i guess is that the performer on in you that kind of going from stage to, to to screen is something that you you wanted to try and is are you kind of exploring it a bit more um it, i think it's like um it's not that it's something that i like am trying to do all of a sudden i think it's it, 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 for one i think like i'm just open and this probably goes for everything i do but like i'm open to opportunity like right. if, if opportunity presents itself i'm like you know what fuck it i'll try this like where most people are like i only do this i'm only a guitar player I only play guitar and this kind of band like for me it's just kind of like hey you want to do this i'm like sure that, that's cool i like that kind of shit you know and so like i think that the i mean the whole like acting thing was weird because uh you know i as a joke we all went on jerry springer and <laughs> yeah. thought we would like we you know we didn't really think it out we we're just like let's try that like that we totally can do that and it went and 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 we didn't really even think it would go beyond like okay we're gonna go to chicago and be on the show and like that was gonna be the extent of it like funny for us and why not what else are we gonna do like sit around you know like start another band i don't know like so it was just like this thing like okay we're gonna do this and then it was essentially that was what was shown to you know ozzy argento as like you know like someone said hey get you know uh, the music supervisor was like get this guy to be this character in your film here's the jerry springer thing and that was what got me the part so okay you know and then so so then doing that film was awesome it was like i learned a lot of really cool shit you know like different scenes were filmed like to a to like a tempo you're like there's no music but there's still a tempo you know your, your dialogue is like you know this sort of rhythm and yeah your, your your movement is this sort of rhythm and i was like well this is fucking crazy shit i've never even like thought about you know so so there's like that and then it's like oh now there's opportunity to do part of the score to the film and so then it kind of became like all in it was like it made total sense and and, and the, the funny thing is my character in the film is pretty much me um, i mean i'm wearing all my i'm wearing like all my clothes my normal clothes that i wear i, I i'm a, you know i'm like it's, it's, it was it was me like yeah, it, yeah. It, it, you know and so um i don't know but then like moving on from there like i got the opportunity to do a cartoon voice on that cartoon uncle grandpa and like that's sort of the same thing it was like i was working with all these weird very creative people 
you know, the, 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 the people that approached me to be on it are in that band, the Manx. And oh, my okay, friends. that's and, cool. Yeah, and they were like, you want to, we want you to be in this, this sort of like weird, you know, musical uh, episode of the sh- of the cartoon and i was like fuck yeah it was so much fun <laughs> you know and so like part of me was like all right you know i was i was like trying to work with this agent at caa and do and like and like i was trying to like i was getting like um you know these 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 scripts sent to me to like do like to try out for you know different things and like uh, for one like i, I think uh i well i didn't do a very good job obviously because i didn't get any of the jobs but um you know they would like send me this, this they would send me like this piece of the manuscript and they're like all right you got to learn this you have like you know you have, you have four days you know four days to like learn it and like film yourself and then like i'm like fuck man i have to i have like rehearsal or i'm like recording <laughs> or i have like this other job that i'm doing and like you know it's so then i'm like here i am at like two in the morning like trying to f- memorize this script you know and like film it and like and like do it like you know, and also learning, like, okay, I have no idea what the, like, the, the sort of vibe or personality they want for this. You know, and so it's it was just a lot to take on, and like, um, you know, the, the things that I did so so far, I guess, kind of just came naturally. Mm. You know, and I, and I, and I guess like, I am totally open to it. If it presents itself, I would love to do it. But as far as me like working with an agent and trying to get an acting career going, it's really fucking hard. Yeah, and I and I just don't have the time. Uh, to dedicate to it you know i would love to so is it a case of kind of something that you're not sort of necessarily actively pursuing but if the opportunity presents itself then you'd kind of grasp it with both hands hell yeah if it was if the opportunity presented itself and it was cool i would do it i'll do whatever like whatever i whatever you know i mean i'm interested in all kinds of shit so i think like i I don't necessarily like want to limit myself to like own like only being this one thing in life you know like and we're only here for a short amount of time, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, fuck. As far as I can tell, like my life's half done. Like I, I gotta, <laughs> you know, like uh, why waste it? Like just why not try something else? Cool, you know. I mean, there's certain things that I don't want to try. You know, like I don't want to. I don't want to go skydiving. Like <laughs> you know, like I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> That's um, fair enough. Um, you brought up Jerry Springer, so I have to. I have to ask. How how did that all come about? Because I remember, I think I can't remember. It might be my older brother sh- showed me it, and I was just sort of like, no, I couldn't. Like, it was one of those things like where my brain was like, that's Justin Pearson, but like, it c- didn't compute. So like, how did that opportunity all come about, sort of thing? It was it was on our radar for a long time. It was just like, um, it was part of the culture then you know like it was always yeah on, of course and it, yeah and it, and it was and, and i actually went there twice so i went the first time i went there they, they didn't even they didn't even use us like because the the other people that were on the show were just insane <laughs> so the second time i went back it was just you know it was just like a let's just fucking mess around and do something silly or whatever you know like let's just do free trip to chicago or whatever, whatever. and then and then it just whatever for whatever reason it like when it aired, it coincided with this more than music festival that was happening. And I remember like everyone at the music festival, you know, it wasn't that many people. It was a couple thousand people at this music festival, but like everyone was like kind of talking about it. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was like, I, I think that was maybe a, a big deal as far as like the timing goes. And, and then it kind of just went, you know, along the, the sort of like, um, 
I don't know, like along the routes of like what what it what it would do like culturally. It's sort of like like a cult kind of thing. Like it became a th- a thing, and people would like talk about it. And then the internet happened, and it was and it shows up on the internet. And so yeah, I mean, even still to this day, I get asked about it all the time, and, and it is what it is. Yeah. But it, there was nothing. There was nothing like there was no like it was effortless in a sense. Like we kind of just went and winged it, you know. And that was that's the thing, I guess. Like I, I kind of feel like those are the cooler genuine things i suppose you know like we the, our whole thing was like let's just go do this thing like no punches to the face which obviously like <laughs> alicia didn't uh, deal didn't abide by that she hit everyone in the face but like you know i didn't really think like oh yeah like sign me up to be like the fucking asshole out of the bunch you know like it just kind of was like i'll just do, i'll be the dude that's that's like that you know like i, I didn't really think of like because a lot of people think it's like true they think like oh you're really like that you know and I'm yeah like, nah, i'm not and that was kind of why i was able to do it i guess because it i mean if it was me being if i was genuinely an asshole i probably wouldn't want to go expose myself like that you know? <laughs> yeah so what did what did you just kind of turn turn up and they kind of give you like free reign on it sort of thing like how no, does no, that no, work no. you you they interview you a lot on the phone and you have to like send photos and make sure you have all your teeth and all this weird shit and then you know then eventually they they take you that you know you, you're flying flown out there it only happens like it happened like right away it was like 48 hours 40 48 hours later from the phone call like we were all we were like there you know and so you know you have to really get your story straight you know and uh they they egg you on. They're like, yeah. good. you know, we want you to do a really good performance. If you feel emotional, you should react. You know, they they're like without you saying like go fucking fight everyone. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. much telling you go fucking fight everyone. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But after it was done, they didn't care. They're like, here's your here's your transportation back to the airport. All of you together. Yeah. You know, and if it was real, it's like, oh yeah, we just fought each other. And you're gonna put us all in on them. Yeah, together, yeah. Like, back on the flight back to California, like together. That sounds really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um right we'll get up to what you're doing now so obviously planet b it's very different to what people previously kind of heard you doing sort of thing so where where's the kind of influences kind of coming from in that because of there's kind of like that hip-hop element but there's still sure. your distinct sort of voice in there so what what's kind of been the the idea behind this project and sort of why did you want to kind of put your name to it in in a sense sure um well okay so again i think it ties into a lot of the stuff we've been talking about so basically like um you know i knew luke henshaw and he and i he was like you know in like from like you know the the sort of punk community but i knew he was also like really into like hip-hop and turntablism and like you know sort of like dj culture Mm. but mainly like the hip hop world, you know, and he did this punk rock versus hip hop stuff. Like he'll, he'll like do these shows where it's like, you know, these rappers and like punk bands will play together and stuff. And so I was like, um, I just think like, I, I just knew him or whatever. And so, so at one point he had a studio and, 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 and I was told from Asia Argento to, to track a song for the film. I needed to have one song that we, that I, that I perform in the movie. And so I was like, all right, uh, let me let me let me see if you know it had to have like a vibe it had to be yeah. like 80s kind of like fit like the time period and and so i got gabe serbian and i had to go to luke's studio and record this thing and i and I initially thought like minimalist like just i'll sing and play bass and there'll be drums the only thing i can't you know needs drums like i don't i, I can't do that obviously but i didn't want to have like other other like people involved in it because i didn't really know what the how it would fit into the film necessarily and so like 
so we were you know recorded the two songs these two tracks with with luke at his studio and then it was like immediately after the my stuff was filmed for the movie you know we we kind of like got looped into like doing part of the score to the film and i was like okay well let's just keep working with luke you know on this and so that was kind of like how luke and i started putting things together and, and, and i think that it was like um um yeah i don't know like because him and i struggled like okay, so this we did the score and then the, the then there was there was that it was done so we're like let's keep working on music we, we we got along really well we all worked together really well and so the idea was to like sort of do more stuff and so yeah. the thing was like a lot of his a lot of his material that was sort of like you know it had like it was weird because the beats were like hip-hop beats and they were there you know it wasn't like there wasn't like sort of like this sort of driving you know f- sort of like f- four on the floor like drumming like there was no like it was it was it was like an essence of like sort of chill like and like a lot of weird space to it yeah. you know and it wasn't it wasn't like as abrasive and so i i was like having a hard time like going dude i can't sing on this <laughs> stuff because like and, it, and all of the, the material was great, you know. Like initially, we were going to do this Britney Spears cover and stuff too. Like, oh, he had, no like, way! He had done this. Um, he had done like a remix of one of her songs, and I was like, "Fuck, that song is so so sick, dude!" Like, really <laughs> rad. And I, but I, and then when I tried to sing it, I was like, "It sounds like some jerk like yelling over like these really weird like kind of spacey chill beats." And I was like, "It's so we had a hard time like finding like the the sort of like." you know, sweet spot of where we could mesh our two worlds together. And it wasn't until like, you know, we were like, let's make it more abrasive, more, more annoying. And then it, and then it warrants like a dude screaming on it, yeah. you know? And so it was, it was weird, but again, too, like I still like would trip out on like the phrasing and like having things happen at certain times where I'm like, where's the, where's the kick? Like the kick isn't <laughs> on the like two and the four, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's a weird placement. Like the, it was just strange to like, strange in a good way it was very challenging and I, mm. you know so anyhow i was open to it and I, I think that was like sort of where it took us you know it was just, it just it was like a lot of like sort of trial and error and there's a bunch of songs where i was like this is not this is not good you know and so you know we released the seven inch and kind of sat on it for a while and then and then just kind of gradually started working on new new stuff and then eventually we're like oh we have a we have an album Let's yeah do this. and you mentioned obviously there like it kind of being a bit of a challenge but obviously from all the stuff you've done previously has it has this been kind of a bit of a a breath of fresh air in the fact that you're kind of stepping away from from the i guess the traditional sense of punk but you're still kind of, as i mentioned you've still got that kind of abrasive sound but it's it is quite far removed from what people will know you for i guess but i don't i don't necessarily think about it like that i mean i think like my challenges are like when we play live, it's like, a, you know, he plays two NPCs and then we have live drums and it's just, I've, I'm not used to that. I'm like, where are the other bandmates? And then, and then, you know, like, it just seems like, uh, it seems like, it seems odd uh, in, in, a, in a challenging way, you know? Like, for me, it's just like, I'm used to, like, there being, like, a full band and, like, very fucking loud and, like, not, re- not really having, like, like, I don't have to rely on, like, can I, I, I like, hearing certain things. Like, it's weird because there's, like, I don't know, like with retox or something, it's just, it's, it's like almost effortless, you know, yeah. you're like, there, the, and also like, there's no, I think I get lost in the, in the, in the, in the live process with a band like retox where in, in, in planet B, 
I'm a little bit more present and a little bit more aware. And I'm like, fuck, I have to concentrate a little bit more, I think. Yeah. It's different, you know, it's different too, because like also like with Retox or any other kind of band, it's like, there's, there's like, there's more of an aggressive element is, and there's a more of an aggressive element with, with the energy from the audience too. It's like the whole thing is just sort of like, you know, it's like on meth or something, you know, it's just, it's like fucking crazy. And so then like with Planet B, it's like, it seems a little bit more subdued and, and even though it is aggressive in, in the sense of like that kind of music, it's, I, I find like it being like a little bit more of a challenge. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like sort of, um, a part of me feels like a little naked up there. Like I'm like, right, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. I don't, I don't have the other bandmates to kind of fall back on or like, yeah. Yeah, but you're the like centerpiece kind of thing. Maybe, but not necessarily the centerpiece. But it's just like there's 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 a there's room for error in hardcore. Where like I don't think there's room for error in a band like Planet B. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And kind of with that sort of as I've kind of said throughout this kind of conversation, people will sort of know you for that the punk bands whether it be the locust whether it be retox so on and so forth so with this kind of project have people been a one surprised and b kind of supportive of seeing you do something different like have you seen a crossover in in people that have listened to to your previous bands to to this and been like oh this is like jp's doing something different this is really cool yeah, I mean, so far no one's said it's shitty yet, you know, which is Which, <laughs> which is, is cool. always good. I mean, I know there's some people that probably think it's shitty, but um, it's not like that. I mean, I guess in in context of, of things, like a, a, like a, a sort of like um, linear, you know, kind of like, oh, here's, here's where it was before. Like, I think, like, if you reference something like All Leather, like, it's not that much different. I mean, because All Leather was like sort of like dance music, electronic dance music yeah, yeah. that I sang in. And again, it was a three-piece for the most part. Most of the time it was three people. So it was kind of this very similar aspects um, were in, in that project as well. So, and, and I, I guess from like the outsider's perspective, like it doesn't seem like that much different. I mean, I think like, it's, I guess if you consider the hip-hop element, that's the probably the bigger the bigger stretch. But again, it sounds like just it's to me it sounds like electronic and like it sounds like punk or whatever you know mm. um yeah and i'm going to start sort of winding things down now justin but one thing that i've got to ask because obviously i've mentioned earlier about you being super prolific super busy all the time so how how do you manage your time like obviously planet b record label still doing sort of stuff with retox and various other bands like do you, do you how when do you find time to stop and sort of assess where where you're at sort of thing um well, well with the music stuff it's not like you know it's not like retox planet b and dead cross are going full-time every day like, yeah so you know like um you know for instance like <clears throat> um dead cross tour ended in whatever july i guess or something or august i don't know when it ended august uh, maybe not anyhow it ended in the summer and and you know like we haven't done anything since then yeah um, so so it's like oh let's then the planet b record sort of like came to f- you know fruition like here it is like we're gonna start working on releasing this like so you know and then like casually like still working on retox stuff so it's not like there's like a shitload of stuff going on all the time yeah. i mean i feel like a little overwhelmed because i you know i do like also 
other jobs like to make income and to get by and stuff like that and so it's like fuck i gotta do this shit to like kind of get time to do these other things you know like um and then like find like regular life stuff you know yeah. like oh like I, I you know every day i gotta go to the park with my dog or like i gotta i, I really need to go to yoga or like i you know like or like i'd love to go watch the new you know movie blah 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 that came out or so you know whatever it is so like uh, it is like uh, you know like i do try to find those things and i wish i did have more time um you know unfortunately like especially with 31g it's like it's like a full-time hustle like yeah. i gotta get up every day and do bullshit on social media i gotta make sure <laughs> everyone has like the you know the products that they need like the, the distributor has the stuff like the web store has stuff make sure things working like you know, post links to like a video premiere or like whatever, like, the, and those things take like, there's, you know, there's two hours, three hours, four hours. And then it's like, I, and I'm not getting paid. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, I'm not, you know, it's like, fuck. All right. And then let's move on to the next thing, you know? And so a lot of times, like, I wish I had more time or like, I wish that it like projects invo- involved more people that were like, you know, able to help and stuff. But it, you know, it is what it is. I just, I mean, I think if I was like somehow rich and, and I could hire a lot of people, like I'd be kicking so much more ass, but like, uh, I mean, I just get by with minimal and I've, I've, I've sort of learned how to do that to some, to some extent. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I don't know. Does that answer the question? That answer that question? <laughs> That's cool. Um, how, I think it's going to be a bit of a difficult one with yourself, Justin, but how I usually like to, to end this is to ask my guests what their, uh, favorite song is but with a bit of a twist but because you're playing in numerous bands i'm going to give you three options so what i say is what is the favorite song that you'd like to play live and why so if we have one from planet b one from retox and one from dead cross Shit. Okay, um, <laughs> let's see uh okay so let's go with uh, okay dead cross um i'm a, I, I have become a big fan of seizure and desist because yeah. it's like it was the first song we play live and it, we had the the intro to our album which is like this sort of like uh, emergency tone but we extended it extended it to be pretty long i think like three minutes uh maybe not three minutes a minute and a half yeah, yeah that's what it was um uh, so um I liked that like sort of tension that it built and I, and I loved like watching um, sort of everybody on stage with me, like looking like going like, fuck, when is it going to happen? Yeah. You know? yeah. And, like it's in the, like that. I love that kind of like release, um, it, you know, when it happens and it's, it's a fun song to play. It's, you know, um, anyhow, that, that's probably my, my, f- my favorite dead cross. Um, my favorite retox um, might, be um well shit. let's not keep in touch yeah um i i like i like playing that song i like the mid-tempo aspects of it and i like how uh, our drummer kevin's playing it now like it's a little bit different and i and i like that and um um i guess like it's cool to have sort of have like space in that track because of the the tempo of it um I don't know. It's it's rad, um, and also it's usually placed like in the middle of the set, sort of like a point where you, I can like kind of like catch my breath a little bit more. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, the rest of it's like a blur. It's like a, it's like a bunch of like <laughs> yeah. you know, sort of like. Um, and then uh, with Planet B, I mean, we've only played three live shows, so it, this is a this is hard to like to answer. Um, it's the whole set was like awkward every time we've played. Um, <laughs> okay. But 
um, some of them have like a like a like a weird flow, like a vocal flow for me. Like so, um, manure rally, I guess maybe might be. Yeah, it's got it's just got this like really cool pace, and it like kind of it just comes out like really easily. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting one. I guess that would be my my, my uh, and and with that song we've only played once. So, oh, there you so, go. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe that would be that that track for for Planet B. So there there's that. Perfect, Justin. Thank you very much for for your time. I really appreciate uh, it. And thank you. I really do appreciate it. No, no worries. And best of luck with with everything with Planet B Record and everything all your other musical endeavors. Cool. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. All right, you too. Cheers, bye. Bye. So there we have it, folks. A massive thank you again to Justin for taking some time out of his incredibly busy day to have a little chat with me. Uh, As always, you can keep up to date with whatever Justin's doing musically, artistically, uh, however you want to do just stalk him I don't know <laughs> no please don't do that um, you can follow him on all various social media platforms along with all his musical endeavours uh, as always there'll be links in the description of this podcast if you so wish um, one last thing before I let everyone go uh, as we are nearing the end of the year uh, you will soon see something be popping up on all our um, social media platforms which on across all platforms is uh, just underscore and. Un- Oh, I can't even remember it. Just underscore at underscore. No, why can't I remember it? Just underscore an underscore insight. There we go. Uh, I, I'm very tired. I do apologise. Um, but yeah, they'll. Uh, so yeah, that there'll be something popping up on all social media platforms. Uh, basically, going to be conducting an end of year survey, finding out what you like, what you don't like about the show, uh, how we can improve, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, it would literally take two, three minutes out of your time, out of your time, out of your day. God, I really can't talk this evening. Um, so yeah, if everyone listening to this could take a moment of their time, fill out that survey when it goes live, uh, probably be towards the end of this week. That would be amazing. And we can grow as a show going into 2019. Um, right. So that is it for another week. Thank you again, everyone, for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast. And I will see you soon. Mm-hmm.